The Brandon Tatum Show is on KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome back to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. You know what it is. Authentic talk. I keep it real. And that's why you love me. And uh, make sure you follow me on my social media platforms at The Officer Tatum, The Officer Tatum. Uh, I made a video the other week or a, a couple of days ago that has two, two million views on it. And we'll talk about that in the second segment. But for right now, I want to give you guys some updates of the COVID-19 in the state of Arizona. Now, I know that a lot of people, and I've seen it with my own eyes, are excited, thrilled, uh, elated to be able to go back to some sense of reality, some sense of normality um, related to this COVID shutdown. Now, in the state of Arizona, the total number is around uh 12,500 people who have had the uh, COVID-19 virus, um, including about around 600, almost 650, who have died from COVID-19. And that's an entire state. That's out of 7 million people, 624 people have passed away from COVID-19. My personal belief is that every life is valuable, so it really doesn't matter. Um, It's no value that you can take away from life. But when you look at the numbers, uh, I think you have a good chance to go out and do things and live your life and not expect that it's a death sentence in maricopa county there's 6500 uh cases in maricopa county there's around 300 people who've lost their lives uh, to COVID in maricopa county which is obviously the biggest county in the state of arizona there's about 4.5 million people that live in this county now i did a little math uh some of it is for shock factor i'm not gonna lie it's for shock factor but i did the math And if you add in, I'm going to take out 500,000 people. I'm just going to leave 500,000 people out. You just use 4 million people and you you ask yourself the question of what's the percentage of death when you look at 300 people that have passed away divided by the 4 million people. I'm not going to do 4.5. That number is literally 0.000075%. Three quarters of a thousand percent. I think that's I think that's how I say it. But it's still a very, very small number. And I'm not saying this because you need to go out and be foolish. I'm saying this because majority of the individuals who have good health, who are exercising, who have a a reasonable diet, who don't have underlying issues. You're not 90 years old. um, Pretty much you have an immune system that can fight this off on a on a on a reasonable level. You should not be letting the media and others fearmonger you into feeling like if you wear a mask, if you don't wear a mask, it's a death sentence. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, a mask. If let me let me say this: if you can smell a fart through a mask, then it ain't stopping you from getting COVID nineteen. I just I just I just want you to know because I'm almost guaranteed that viral particles are even smaller than gas particles that come out of your body. And if you can smell it and it's in your nostrils, then COVID-19 is blowing through your nostrils at a higher rate than uh, somebody's farts. So don't don't get into this false sense of hope thinking that, oh, I'm 100 percent protected. Um, a lot of reason reasons why they prescribe masks is for the uh, the particles that come out of your mouth, spit, saliva, different things like that, that can be spat upon uh, fixed objects on people's faces, get on your hands and then they can spread what they say spread more rapidly. But I'm watching people wearing masks while they're driving in their car. I mean, it's just 
it just doesn't make sense. Don't be that person that gets completely brainwashed into feeling like this is Armageddon when in reality you probably have more of a chance of getting struck by lightning than for you passing away from COVID-19. Also, I have been out in Arizona, right? When they first opened things up, the restaurants opened up, the barbershop opened up. I caught my hair cut and, and me and the wifey went to Steak 44 and got a real good dinner. And one of the guys that worked there said, Doug Ducey comes in Steak 44 all the time. And let me give you an experience that we had um, that makes me frustrated at the foolery that I think is going on from our government, from our governor. Everybody had a mask on. And they didn't like it. You could tell they didn't like it. It was so impersonal. You know, you're just looking at somebody's eyes. You can't see facial expressions. You know, it's just out of control. When you're in a restaurant, there's no social distancing going on. You sit next to people that you're with. You sit next to people at a bar. I mean, people have said, screw it. Not one person was in State 44 with a mask on. Not one. Um, I rode my bike. I'm an avid cyclist. I like to call myself an avid cyclist. Uh, went on a 40-mile ride with some guys in the area in Goodyear. Uh, we stopped at a cafe. Nobody had a mask on. Nobody was doing social distancing. Nobody cared. I drove up to uh, Skyline Park, which is out here uh, near Verado. I went up there. They had tape taping off these little benched areas. People are sitting behind the tape. No mask. Nobody cares. So I just want people to understand that I'm not your health professional, right? I'm not going to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Uh, you need to do what you think is best with the information that you have. But I'm telling you that we need to go back to reality. We need to go back to life. I went to the hospital the other day, went to the emergency room um, because I was extremely dehydrated from obviously riding my bike too much. And I was in almost in the stages of rhabdo. And rhabdo is when you're so dehydrated that when you urinate, it looks like uh, syrup, syrup for some people that don't know. Uh, my lingo, but that's you in a bad spot. Kidney failure, that stuff can happen to you. Um, obviously, I wasn't to that point. I was near that point. But at the hospital, the doctor, he uh, he he told me he recognized me from social media, and he said, uh, "Oh man, I think I follow you on social media." And and obviously, he's not a Republican. He's a Bernie Sanders guy. Uh, his wife, I don't believe, is a Republican as well. They they but they follow me because they see some of my content and they like it. And sometimes they disagree with it. But he said, Brandon, do you know how many COVID-19 patients I've had at this hospital? And it's a pretty big hospital out in the Glendale area. He said, you know how many COVID-19 patients I've had? And I was thinking he's going to say 10, 15. He said zero. I've had zero. He didn't even have a mask on. He said, I have zero patients. I've not seen anybody. He said, this is, this is getting out of control. We were having to lay people off, uh, furlough nurses, we have no traffic. Nobody's coming in here. And people that need immediate surgeries are being postponed because of the threat of COVID-19, but it's not materializing. And he also said that, you know why a lot of hospitals are even calculating these numbers? Because we get money for COVID patients. There is money that are, come to hospitals that claim to have COVID patients, whether it's legitimate or not. If they make the claim, the federal government pays them money. So I'm going to end it with this. Because I got two minutes and then we go into the second segment to talk about Amar Arbery because I got some information that's going to blow your mind. People are reaching out to me from the community and I'm going to keep them anonymous, but they are telling me stuff that's making me sick to my stomach about what happened, what's going on and how it's being portrayed in the media. But back to the subject at hand. 
COVID-19, they have not standardized the diagnoses, postmortem diagnoses of COVID-19. It's no, it's no standardization. You can literally mark a person down as being a COVID patient or a person who died from COVID-19 just because they had COVID in their system at the time of death. A kid can drown in a pool, and if they had a strand of COVID in their, in their system, they're considered a COVID death. Also, if a person dies and they die from pneumonia and they die from some other complication, those two complications, they can articulate that they reasonably believe this was a COVID patient. And I'm going to say this till, I, till I'm blue in the face. They have been lying about the numbers. They've been deceiving the public. They don't know what's going on. They don't know if you should wear a mask or not. These people are charading around with no concrete information and they're trying to take your freedoms. California is shut down for another three months and there's no reason in God's green earth that that should be happening. So I'm, uh, look, I'm done with that. We're done with the COVID this week. Let me get on to Amar Arbery. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum Show. Hold the phone. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome back to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. If you're not following me on social media, follow me at The Officer Tatum on social media, The Officer Tatum. Let's get into this Ahmad Arbery's case. It has garnished so much division, hatred, national attention, and all of it was rooted from a lie. It was rooted from a lie. Not saying that all of the, the facts of the case are lie or generated by lies, but, but it was rooted in a lie. They told the people, and y'all remember me on my show last week, and if you watch my social media, I said, wait till the facts come out. Um, there's some suspicious behavior things here, so you need to wait. But everybody came out and said he was just jogging. They made a complete campaign that black people can't jog in white neighborhoods without the fear of getting murdered. I mean, it's just so sickening to me that people are race baiting the death of a young black man and, and, and at the hands of two citizens, two white citizens. I mean, just because you're white and you're black don't mean that there's racial tension there. Now, let me break you down for you of what happened. Break you down, break, break down some of the laws because a lot of people aren't aware of the laws. And I made a video on YouTube that has almost two million views where I break down the law specifically and what people need to be looking at and what people need to know. And what will what will be considered justification under Georgia law? So let's start from the beginning. Was Mr. Arbery jogging? The answer is we have no evidence that he was jogging. So it's not sufficient to even bring up jogging or not jogging. On every video we've seen, he was apparently running from the McMichaels or running from whoever was chasing him in the community. Uh, the McMichaels were, also, were obviously involved in it. When the video turned on, we could see them parked down the street. We don't even see them driving but of course to uh, according to the police report they said that they had tried to attempt to stop him before before he ended up running again um when you look at the law as it pertains to did mr arbery commit a crime now on the police report it says trespassing well just because on the police report it says trespassing don't mean that that's even the charge that they would have charged him with at the time and that don't mean he was guilty of it people need to really understand that being guilty of something is a is it happens in the court of law. It doesn't happen at the arrest site. It doesn't happen at probable cause. 
It happens in the court of law. So every person is presumed innocent until proven guilty. Now, you getting arrested is based on probable cause from a police officer. When it comes to a citizen's arrest, you being arrested is reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion from a citizen. Now, I'm going to start out with the trespassing thing. They didn't accuse him of trespassing. The McMichaels accused him and other people who were involved accused him of burglary, burglary in the first degree. According to Georgia law, burglary in the first degree is a felony. Now, I'm going to read you the statute. And so people are very clear. So I'm not missing and paraphrasing anything. Um, the first definition that's given in the statute is uh, Georgia law 16-7-1 burglary. Dwelling is the definition, meaning the, the structure that a person enters. Dwelling, uh, it means any building structure or portion thereof, which is designed or intended for occupancy for residential use. Right. It's either designed or intended for residential use. You go down in the statute subsection B, it says a person commits the offense of burglary in the first degree when without authorization and with an intent to commit a felony or theft therein, he or she enters or remains within an occupied, unoccupied or vacant dwelling. And then it goes on to say, I'm going to skip down because it talks about abode. It talks about vehicles, which is not applicable here. And it says a person who commits the offense of burglary in the first degree shall be guilty of a felony and upon conviction. It gives the, the sentencing guidelines. The McMichaels are claiming that they had either. And let me read the self, the, the uh, citizens arrest law, too, so we can be on the same page with that as well. So now you have an idea of that. This could potentially be a burglary. A reasonable person would believe it's a burglary if they saw him in the house. And they saw him run from the house when somebody saw him and caught him. He runs from the house. He's dashing down the street. A reasonable person would believe that he's not going in there like many would claim just to look around at the architecture. He's going in there. He was in there for three minutes or nearly three minutes. And then when somebody saw him, he runs out of the house in a full sprint. Now, can the McMichaels make a citizen's arrest? Can they have a citizen's arrest claim? Let me read you the Georgia law for citizen's arrest. It says OCGA 174 dash 60 a private person may arrest an offender if the offense is committed within the presence or within immediate knowledge so they don't necessarily have to see mr arbery do it they have to have immediate knowledge so him running down the street other citizens complaining they seeing people calling the police people are chasing them people are running people are talking whatever immediate knowledge if they have gained any immediate knowledge of the crime they are covered under citizens arrest provision now let me finish reading if the offense is a felony which the accusation of burglary is and the offender is escaping or attempting to escape a private person may arrest him upon reasonable or probable grounds of suspicion. So a lot of people are out here saying, well, they didn't know he did it. You don't have to know. It has to be reasonable or probable grounds of suspecting suspicion, just like police officers. We don't really know exactly what crime people are committing. We have a reasonable suspicion of the crime, and then we go do some investigation and we can arrest them based on probable cause. That means a reasonable person will believe that they are in an offense of that crime. All right. So then you have that where a person can reasonably say, OK, they believe he was committed crime. He don't live in the area. They've seen him on video before. Gregory McMichael, which is the father of the shooter. He has actually been on a case that prosecuted Mr. Arbery before relative to a crime. So he had he knew who he was. 
He didn't just walk down the street and say, you look like the black man that I thought I saw the other day. He knew exactly who Mr. Arbery was. He dealt with him in the past. He knew his criminal record and he knew he had been arrested for um, possession of a firearm and ran from the police during that incident. So there's a lot of knowledge that comes into Mr. Gregory McMichael that he has related to this incident. So let's go on to them doing the pursuit. Let's talk about open carry because People are like, why did they put a gun in the car? They shouldn't be doing that. They're they're attempting to go kill him. Now, whether they attempted to kill him or not, it's up for the courts to decide. But whether or not they put the guns in the car by law is legitimate. Let me read the the provision for um, you being able to open carry in the state of Georgia. OCGA uh, 1611-126. A person who is not prohibited by law for possessing a handgun or long gun may have or carry on his or her person, a weapon or long gun on his or her property or inside his or her home motor vehicle or place of business without a valid weapons carry license. Same in Arizona. You don't need to have a CCW to carry these things. You have the right to carry it in your vehicle, at your home, at your business, all of the above. Any person who is not prohibited by law for possessing a handgun or long gun may have or carry on his or her person a long gun without a valid weapon carry license, provided that if the long gun is loaded, it shall only be carried in a open and fully exposed manner. So if you have a a loaded shotgun and you're standing out of your car like Gregory McMichael was doing, you have an obligation, if it's loaded, to be carried in a visible, open, fully exposed manner position which is what Gregory McMichael was doing and whether or not their intentions were to kill somebody that's not it's irrelevant as it relates to the law I got two minutes let's talk about the use of force or self-defense now everybody that's watching the video can see that Mr. Arbery is now running down the street he can go left he can go right he can go back he can go forward he can go in the grass he can go any which way they're parked in the street Gregory McMichael is standing out in the street, open carrying a shotgun. When Mr. Arbery runs around the car, which he's very able and capable to do, he then runs into the grass and then goes straight after Gregory McMichael once he gets to the front of the car and attacks him for the shotgun. Now, there are shots that goes off, obviously, and then Mr. Arbery ended up dying subsequent to being shot with a gun. Now, once a person is now attacking you for your shotgun, You have a right to defend yourself. According to Georgia law, 16-3-21, use of force defense. Once uh, confronted with a deadly force situation, an individual is allowed to use deadly force to detain or defend themselves and others. Uh, The Georgia law 16-3-23, only got one minute. Uh, Georgia's no duty to retreat law. An individual is not required to back away from or submit to an attack. Uh, 16324 b the use of force which is intended or likely to cause death or bodily harm to prevent trespass on or other uh, torturous or criminal in- interference with real property other than a um, habitation or personal property is not justified unless the person uses such force reasonable believe that is necessary to prevent the commission of a forcible felony Uh, A person, property, or legal defense themselves is immune from prosecution. Based on the information I have, you are immune from prosecution. So I'm going to finish a little bit more of this in the next segment. 
Uh, we're going to talk about another incident where it's blowing up just like this one is. Uh, you listen to the Brandon Tatum Show. Stay tuned. Hold the phone. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. This is the Brandon Tatum Show. The Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Welcome back to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. Make sure you follow me on my social media platforms at the Officer Tatum on all the social media. You can also email me if you want to contact me on my website, theofficertatum.com. Go to the Connect tab, write me an email. I will read every email that's sent to me. I cannot guarantee that I will respond, but I have read your email. So let's finish the Amar Arbery's case and let's put this thing to bed until we have more information that comes out. So first, I went through the law of... Uh, was there a crime committed at the residence? Did they need to actually see the crime or could they have firsthand knowledge of the crime or what they call immediate knowledge? Um, did he have to take something to commit the crime? Obviously, that he did not have to take anything to commit the crime of first degree burglary, which is a felony. Did the McMichaels have the right to uh, conduct a citizen's arrest? I proved that in a, in a segment before that they may be covered by the law, the lawful provision. Self-defense. We talked about that. All of that. Another thing that's going to come up is that there is no way of proving who actually caused the gun to go off. And this is a defense that was that was presented by the attorney general's office. Um, let me let me let me uh, quote him real quick. And this is the, I wouldn't say the attorney general's office. Let me get make sure I'm specific on uh, the actual role of this individual. So this is from the office of uh, district attorney Waycross judicial circuit court or circuit office, whatever you want to call it. The gentleman name is Gregory E. Barnhill. He was the one that was responsible for prosecuting this case after the first lady recused herself. And he gave direction that there was no probable cause at the time. And he cited all of these justifications. One of the things he said is that there is not no clear evidence who actually caused the, the shots to go off because Mr. Arbery is literally fighting for the shotgun and if Gregory McMichael has his finger on the trigger, even if he don't intend to pull the trigger, any jerking of the gun at one sixteenth to, to one eighth of a trigger pull, that's going to cause the gun to go off. And that could have been the fatal shot. That could have been the initial shot. I mean, it, it's very ambiguous. And you have to be you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt in court that, you know, that Gregory McMichael solely had the responsibility or attempt to pull the trigger and kill uh, Gregory, Mc I mean, kill Arbery, who was, I guess, wasn't in a self-defense position. So I got that out the way. People have reached out to me from the community and I'm not giving anybody names, but it is it's not looking good as to more information about this community, about the burglaries that have gone on in the community, about uh, potential other cameras that have visible evidence and I can't verify that it's true. I'm taking some people's word for it. Some people have verified their identity, but, but you know, people can make up stuff. Um, but I'm going to do more research and go and find this stuff for myself and reach out to the HOA and figure these things out and see if these people are, are telling me the truth. But there's accusations that there is video footage of Mr. Arbery entering the community and that he wasn't on foot. There's there's video of Mr. Arbery potentially being in a stolen vehicle at another period of time 
that's on video provided by uh, uh, some video surveillance in the area. There's there's a tremendous amount of more evidence and I'm not going to talk about it now because I want to I want to get the stuff. I want to get the receipts. I want the videos that I'm going to post online. And if any of these things that they're saying is true, this is a shame that people are, are, are dragging these individuals through the mud without any evidence, without even letting them go to court and getting their day in court. And they're just picking a side because the young man is black. I just saw a video just recently on Worldstar, and I don't recommend anybody going and watch it because it's graphic, of two black men, one running from the other, shoots him dead in the street like a, like a, like a dog. And it's on the same Worldstar website that this McMichael Arbery case is on, and nobody's outraged. Nobody found that dude that shot him, man. He shot the man in cold blood, killed him in front of everybody, and, and they, he ran away. And nobody found him. But the outrage is not consistent. Let's talk about Breonna Taylor real quick. I think I've summed up Mr. Arbery's case. You can look at my video on my YouTube channel, The Officer Tatum on YouTube. Two million view video that I explain all the same things that I spoke about in the first in the second segment. So let's talk about Breonna Taylor, right? Um, the news comes out that Breonna Taylor has been murdered by police. Well, let's talk about facts first, and then we could talk about opinions about who should have did what better. Based on the information that's provided, there's a lot more that is not available to the public. But based on the public information, um, it is clear that the police department got or obtained a legitimate no-knock search warrant. Um, people may not understand how difficult it is to get a search warrant, but I have been a part of getting search warrants on drug cases. I was on the SWAT team. I served those warrants. And so I know what it takes to get that. And it's not easy. And you have to show unequivocal evidence, a, a, a mirage of evidence to a judge for a judge to say, I grant you the ability to go into a person's house without even knocking on a door. It, it, that burden of, 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 affidavit articulation is very strict and the judge don't want to put their name on something that can end up resulting in somebody's death. But anyway, suppose the cops went there to serve, serve a search warrant because there was another individual who had been getting packages of drugs and money stashed and sent to her house. She was also a suspect in the search warrant, but the media is just leaving that part out. And acting as if just because she's an EMT, that somehow she's not a suspect and she's completely innocent. She is a suspect on a search warrant and her house is listed on a search warrant as well. Her boyfriend is in the house and they're asleep. The police claim that they made an announcement before they rammed the door with the with the um, with the battering ram. Once they rammed the door, the boyfriend says that he thought it was an intruder. So he fired a single shot hitting one of the officers who was a sergeant in the leg. The sergeant go down. The other officers return fire. 20 shots in total, I think, were were shot into the house. The young lady, Brianna, was, was struck eight times and died. Now, the media tells you that the boyfriend was the shooter. Now, they haven't been able to determine who was the shooter. The boyfriend took responsibility after he was arrested for attempted murder on a police officer, and I, I believe it was aggravated assault. So nobody knows who was the actual shooter. Brianna could have been the shooter. So th there's no nobody knows. So their response to a person shooting at them seems to be reasonable. 
Um, it could be slightly unfortunate if they didn't hear the announcements. If they did not announce, that is a problem, right? That is a legitimate problem. You don't have to guarantee that somebody hears you on a search warrant. It just has to be reasonable. Like you can't go to the window and raise the window up and put your head in the, in the person's bedroom on top of their pillow and say, hey, we're serving a search warrant. That's not that's not the obligation legally. And it's not reasonable. But if you yell loud enough, neighbors should be able to hear you. And the thing is, is that, to be honest, these officers never had to yell anything because they got a no knock warrant. People's argument of their line and saying they announced and that that's a problem. I mean, I don't really know because they don't have to announce. Um, so here's the thing. Let, let me sum it up this way. At this point, we don't know who's really in the wrong and you need sufficient evidence to get a search warrant. And I highly doubt it. If I had to make an assess assessment of it, I highly doubt it that Miss Brianna, the EMT, is somehow unaware of drugs being sent to her house. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I grew up in the hood. I know what it is. I, I've been around people who sold drugs. Many, Some people in my family members sold drugs and they in prison right now for the rest of their life. And, you know, my stepdad used to be a drug dealer and I saw how he moved and how he operated. There ain't no way in the world that drugs have been sent and received at our house. And he didn't know. And my mama and nobody knew about it. It's, it's not happening. Now, he died, unfortunately, from a heroin overdose. And that was many years ago. But it's kind of hard to believe she didn't know about it one minute left and i'm gonna finish it with this wait till the more facts come out before you jump on the racist bandwagon um i'm gonna make a video about this on my youtube and be in, in more detail but these officers may still even though they're justified under the law they can still be held liable for the death of of mr miss brianna and not be held criminally liable because if the gentleman was shooting the family would have a, a, a reason to say, OK, you're shooting blindly into a house or without precision uh, caused the death of this young lady. They can sue the police department and they can sue her boyfriend because he was responsible. If the officer found to be completely in compliance with the law and her boyfriend is found on attempted murder on a police officer, they will then charge him with murder of the young lady as well because his actions caused her death by illegitimately shooting at the police if that is found to be true so we're going to go into a little bit of politics in the last segment I cannot wait till we get in the studio again so I can have you guys call in but uh, we're going to get to politics in the last segment you listen to the Brandon Tatum show on KTAR hold the phone Brandon Tatum KTAR News 92.3 FM Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome back to the Brandon Tatum Show. Every Saturday at 6 p.m., listening to authentic, real, uncut truth from yours truly. And that's why y'all love me. I know. And I love y'all back. So let's talk about a little bit of politics. Um, I promise you I'll talk about politics. We got House Representative Nancy Pelosi, which you guys know how I feel about Nancy Pelosi. But let's talk about facts. Uh, she's unveiled her what she would consider her fifth attempt at a national stimulus bill for America just this week. The Heroes Act is what they call it. And it's one of these stimulus bills where our government, I don't care, Republican, Democrat, trying to spend more and more and more money. Now, a quote from Nancy Pelosi verbatim. We're putting our offers on the table. We're open for negotiation. OK, I get it. She want to offer this, uh, obviously, to the Senate that's run primarily by Republicans. 
Uh, for some reason, our government don't get along. Uh, the Republicans, and Democrats, I don't care if if it was cure for cancer. They're going to argue about whose cure is faster, how much it costs, who's trying to do what. But in some cases, I do think the Republicans have a, a pretty good argument. Um, this three uh, trillion dollar bill. Uh, will estimate a $200 billion hero fund for essential workers to receive guaranteed hazardous pay and work under dangerous conditions. I, look, I don't have a problem with that. Other tenants of the bill include $75, million, $75 billion for uh, nationwide coronavirus testing. Now, uh, I, I think the money can be way better spent than $75 billion on testing. I, I just I think that's ridiculous to me. And you know what? It's a to me personally, it's a money grab for the hospitals and it's a money grab for some of these cities because not everybody. Think about this. We're going to spend seventy five billion dollars for testing. Well, what happens? You, you can't force people to get tested. Are, are they are they having testing available in case people want to be tested? Because at, the, at this point in Arizona, nobody cares anymore. I, I'm, most people do not care. They are on with their life. And if they get sick, they just get sick. They may or may not go to get tested. I was at a local hospital in Maricopa County and they said this is all shenanigans. A doctor said that to me. So anyway, let's continue. $850 million for child family care for essential workers. Um, in addition, the bill will provide a second round of $1,200 $1, for American family members up to $6,000. Now, 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 if you're a essential worker and you're working on a job, why would you need eight hundred and fifty million dollars for for uh, child care? If you're an essential worker, you're not doing any more work. Potentially, than you already have been doing. You know, I, I just I, I'm not understanding why this is blanket approach to let's throw all this money. No, let people that work in the health care system and the child care system, let them go back to work. So these people who are trying to work, let their kids go back to the childcare that they had before the shutdown. Don't I, listen. We don't need more government handouts, man. Let people live their life. And this is what I think the government is trying to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed on both sides of our government. They want to coddle you and have you dependent on the government instead of you being dependent on your own abilities. So Senator Mitch McConnell. The majority leader, Mitch McConnell, um, called this three trillion dollar left wing wishes or left wing wish in an interview that he did with Fox. Republican leaders um, have voiced concerns that this bill um, like this would be rushed too early with the um, inconclusive results and other stimulus bills. So we got bills that are out. Um, my producer, Brandon, was, was we were we were talking about this before the uh, segment is that there are bills that are out and we still haven't figured out. What's the best approach? Are they working? Are we doing too much? Do we need to scale back? And what I think the Democrats are doing, because they didn't have any problem blocking the bills when we originally had stimulus packages, but a $3 trillion stimulus bill, I would love to read into it and figure out what else people are having in it. But we haven't even figured out, do we really need $3 trillion? And now maybe you don't have to spend all the trillion just because it's a spending in the middle. I mean, you need to spend all of it. But we know how government works. They, they somehow find a way to have money available. And if they don't spend it, they lose it. So they just spend it anyway. They blow it on aircraft travel and all of the above. But ladies and gentlemen, I do think Americans need help, but we can help ourselves. Let people go back to work. I don't want the government to be in more debt because then we're going to pay for this later on. 
You know, it's like a credit card. It's like right now it's instant gratifications. I have a credit card. I'm gonna run up the credit card, and you ain't you ain't thought twice about how you are gonna pay it back. That's most Americans. Y'all do know most Americans are in tremendous amount of debt. I think 80% of Americans are in debt and going check to check. So you pay put money on our uh, debt, and they just keep piling it to the to the tune of trillions of dollars. And at some point, we're gonna have to pay that debt back. And that that is how people get into trouble, right? You get debt and then you have to get more debt to pay that debt off and you get into more debt. And some people go to the point of ending their lives because they're so overwhelmed with the stresses of debt and the government and insurance, insurance, interest and everything pounding the top of their head. So in the last two minutes, I, I'll, I'll just I'll just say this. Our government is has given us a free trial. To complete communism. And. My ploy to anybody that's listening to this is that if you want to be a part of a communist country, then go live in China and see if they'll give you citizenship. You can even probably have dual citizenship. I don't know. But you need to go and try to be a part of communist China because United States of America is the country of freedom. We don't need the government telling us how to run our businesses. If a business don't think they should wear a mask, they shouldn't have people wearing masks. If businesses don't think they need to social distance, they shouldn't be social distancing. Let businesses run the way they want to run. Let the people decide if they want to shop at that business based on their practices. Let the people decide what they want for their own country. You elected officials are elected to represent us, not to run us, rule us, and control us. People should be ashamed of themselves for arresting people for not wearing a mask. People have a right to disagree with the government. People have a right to be mad that they are inconsistent and in telling us millions of people are gonna die today and only 100 gonna die tomorrow. We need more testing. They're not validating their testing results. They're not telling us the truth. Fauci and the president disagrees. Everybody's on three different pages. People are shutting countries down for, for I don't know, three or four months in the country right next door are having everybody up and running in business. And you expect the people to be sitting around taking your word for it. This is this is not right, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you right now, you need to rebel. You need to stand up, open your business. And all, we all need to stick together and thwart some of the tyranny that's going on in our country. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum Show. I'm out of time. I'll catch y'all next week, 6 p.m. every Saturday on KTAR. Thank you for listening. I'll see you later. Peace. Brandon Tatum. KTAR News, 92.3 FM.